Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about breast cancer, know your risk, is Dr. Camelia Lawrence. Dr. Lawrence is board-certified surgeon specializing in benign and malignant breast disease. She currently serves as the director of breast surgery for the Hospital of Central Connecticut and Mid-State Medical Center tasked with the responsibility of further developing their breast programs. She serves as assistant professor of surgery at UConn School of Medicine, University of Connecticut, where she works with medical students and surgical residents, nurturing her personal interest in teaching and education of the future generation. Dr. Lawrence's research interests span a wide array of topics related to breast health, including outcomes research focusing on health disparities and breast cancer. How are you doing today, Dr. Lawrence? I'm well, thank you for asking, Jason, and thank you for having me today. Yes, ma'am. Uh, before we get started, for those who are joining us today, if you have any questions, type those questions in. We will do everything in our power, uh, time permitting, to get those questions answered. So, Dr. Lawrence, uh, can you talk about the prevalence of breast cancer in the United States? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'll start by saying one in eight women will be impacted by breast cancer throughout their lifetime. In fact, it's the second most frequently uh, cancer uh, diagnosed in terms of cancer death within the U.S. The current statistical data shows that about 270,000 women are diagnosed with, uh, newly diagnosed with invasive breast cancer per year. And we lose probably about 50,000 women to the disease annually. So it's it's very prevalent, it's, it's very common, um, and it is information that we really need to get out there to the public, especially um, to those who may potentially be at increased risk uh, for this disease. I want to talk about family history. Uh, what, if any, relationship is there between uh, family history and breast cancer? I'll begin by saying that the majority of women who we see with breast cancer, they do not have a family history of breast cancer. But about 5 to 10% of breast cancer due to hereditary uh, mutations, meaning that there's alteration in the genetic makeup, um, and it is passed on. It could be from your mother or your father. Um, and this is a mutation that subsequently increases your risk for breast cancer. Um, the most commonly known are the BRCA1 and 2 mutation, uh, which substantially increases a woman's risk for breast cancer, but not only breast cancer, but also ovarian cancer. I think that every woman should really know their risk, and the current recommendation is that you should have a breast cancer risk assessment performed by age 30. Um, and this can be done by your OBGYN or your primary care doctor. And it's a risk assessment to determine what is your personal risk uh, for breast cancer. Um, is it average risk, um, which the recommended screening of that uh, for that subgroup would be age 40, or are you at a higher risk for breast cancer uh, where you need to be screened earlier? For example, women who are carriers of the BRCA1 and 2 mutation, the recommendations for screening mammography commences at age 25 uh, because not only do they get breast and ovarian cancer, but it's happening at a much earlier age. So we start screening mammography at age 25. Most institutions, uh, similar to Hartford Healthcare, have a high-risk breast surveillance program where we are doing these risk assessments for women. We are providing this important information that helps to uh, guide uh, their screening uh, moving forward. I, I think it's an understatement that when you say you want to catch breast cancer early, or excuse me, want to catch any cancer early, what's the value of early detection of breast cancer? 
early detection it's key it, it is paramount because you know disease caught early is very treatable um, we have over three million breast cancer survivors around and that is in part due to early detection and treatment as well as advances in the different treatment options and modalities that we have access to uh, i often uh, my patients will say should i do a self-breast exam and my response is yes there's no clinical evidence-based data to suggest that doing a self-breast exam will improve your overall survival but i think that a woman who understands the landscape of her breasts is more likely to be able to identify any changes within the breast um, that warrant seeking medical attention uh, right away. The earlier the cancer is caused, uh, is, is, ca is caught rather, there's increased um, survival. Um, we have different stages of breast cancer from zero to stage four. Stage zero breast cancer, which is ductal carcinoma in situ, um, the overall survival five years about 95 to 99%. Uh, so we strongly encourage women to get their screening mammogram uh, because you want to catch it at its earliest stage. Um, I sometimes have patients say, well, I don't have a family history. Well, we just touched on that. The majority of women who are diagnosed with breast cancer do not have a family history. And if there is a take-home message from this webinar today, I would like it to be the importance of every woman by age 30 having a breast cancer risk assessment to determine when they should start screening and to follow through on the screening recommendations. You don't want to wait until you can feel a lump in the breast. You want to actually catch it when it's much smaller. And the way in which you're going to accomplish that is by doing your screening mammogram. You want to catch a lesion when it's too small to be felt. Um, keep in mind that not all breast cancer present as lumps in the breast or changes to the skin of the breast or retraction. There are some cancers who present, that present as microcalcifications. So by getting your screening mammogram or radiology experts are able to identify these changes within the breast or you know, increased grouping of these microcalcifications, which usually lead to a recommendation for an image-guided uh, core needle biopsy. So early detection, I cannot underscore or overemphasize how important that is. And you had just talked about the idea of self-identifying. Can you talk a little bit more about that understanding your body as it pertains to awareness, Dr. Lawrence, with breast cancer? Absolutely, because breast cancer can present in many ways. It can present as a, a lump within the breast. It can be a lump within the armpit as well. Um, it could be thickening or swelling of the, the skin of the breast. It could be retraction of the nipple. It can also present as nipple discharge uh, from the breast. There are different ways in which um, breast cancer can present. I've had patients who come in and say, you know, I took a shower and I, I got out and I raised my arm up to put some deodorant on and I noticed there was a dimpling or, you know, a retraction which wasn't there before. So this was something new. And that, in fact, led them to seeking medical attention um, in identifying uh, their uh, breast malignancy. So it's very important to evaluate your breast to do breast exams. Um, as I said before, if you're routinely doing this and there were to be any change, then you're most likely to see it, identify it. And the recommendation is that if you identify any changes within the breast, um, that you should seek medical attention right away. Don't wait. Um, I think as women in particular, uh, we fill the caregiving role uh, quite often, um, whether we're taking care of elderly patients, our children, 
um, spouse, um, and we tend to put ourselves on the back burner. So we, there's a delay in seeking care sometimes because you're focused on doing so many other things in your life. But if you were to identify any abnormality within your breast, the recommendation is that you seek medical attention right away. And the, the reassuring piece of it is that the majority of women who actually presents with breast lump, about 80% of the time it's a benign lump. Um, but if you were to be the 20%, um, you would want it identified, you'd want it fought early, uh, and for treatment to be initiated as soon as possible. I think it's safe to say that most people, Dr. Lawrence, have been impacted uh, by breast cancer, whether it's the family member, friend, coworker. But what I don't think most people realize is, you kind of mentioned it, is the symptoms are not the same from person to person, are they? No, absolutely not. They they vary. Um, you know, one patient may present with a lump. Somebody else may present with a nipple discharge. Um, some patients have no symptoms at all, um, and it's only identified because they've undergone a screening mammogram. So, you know, we we tend to share our stories um, and. Keep in mind that we're all still unique and our, our body, the manifestation of the disease process can differ uh, from patient to patient. I want to talk about mammograms. When do you recommend that women should begin or, or start uh, to get a mammogram? The current recommendation is at age 40. Um, 40. As, you know, age 40, first uh, annual screening mammography. Um, okay. In my practice, sometimes there are patients who've undergone, undergone a baseline mammogram um, at age 35. But the, the key to this piece of the conversation is really doing the risk assessment. So when I, when I meet with a young woman um, and she's age 30 um, and she comes in, a lot of times it's usually for a benign uh, problem, but by eliciting a, a good family history, um, you may realize that she's at an increased risk. So what are some of the things that increases a woman's risk for breast cancer? One is having a strong family history, especially a parent or a sibling. Uh, women who are of Ashkenazi Jewish uh, descent are at increased risk of breast cancer. Those who are carriers of BRCA1 or 2 mutation are at increased risk uh, for breast cancer. If you had prior chest wall radiation or any sort of malignancy such as lymphoma, you're at an increased risk for breast cancer. Women who have dense breasts um, are at an increased risk. And women of color, uh, recently in 2018, there was an article to show that they're now uh, considered as high risk, uh, one of the risk factors for breast cancer. And there's some benign lesions within the breast, which is uh, a typical ductal hyperplasia um, that increases a woman's risk of breast cancer. So in seeing a patient, I am collecting all of this information and it's synthesized to help determine if this is somebody that's at an increased risk and should their screening mammography be started earlier than age 40. Okay. Um, the treatment, we were just talking about this yesterday, treatment of breast cancer has come a long way, hasn't it? Uh, I think it's safe to say that no longer is treatment a one size fits all, is it? Absolutely. We're in the era of individualized uh, treatment and precision uh, medicine. I mean, the surgical management has changed. We've transitioned from the days of the Halstead mastectomy where it involved removal of a pectoralis muscle and women would feel uh, mutilated. 
uh, to now um, a surgical piece of it has evolved. In many cases, we're able to do oncoplastic uh, type surgery. There are hidden scars incisions that are used to, to minimize any sort of um, deformity of the breast. Um, the idea is to uh, for the woman to be restored as being whole. Uh, not too many women want to be identified going, on, going into the future by their uh, breast incision scar. Um, there are women who may need to have a mastectomy. Um, and in some cases, if they meet specific criteria, they can have what's called a nipple sparing mastectomy, or an incision is made in a location where um, it's hidden, and only the patient would really be the one to disclose to you that they've in fact had a mastectomy because the appearance remains essentially uh, the same. And this is in working collaboratively with um, our plastic surgical colleagues. But in terms of the treatment from a, not just a surgical standpoint, but also from a chemotherapy standpoint, there's been several advances. There are several new drugs on the market. There's more targeted uh, therapy. Um, each woman, each cancer is treated as an individual. And we're today in terms of uh, creating a treatment algorithm, we focus on the biology of the treatment. Uh, for instance, I remember one of my uh, my mentors um, would say um, a few years ago, if a woman has a uh, had a breast cancer that was greater than one centimeters, that they would be relegated to receiving chemotherapy, regardless of the hormone receptor status. Well, you know, there's sufficient data and studies that show that not all women benefit from chemotherapy, um, and there can be adverse side effects to chemotherapy. So whenever a woman has breast cancer, we're looking at the biology, the estrogen receptor status, the progesterone receptor status, the HER2 status, because there are available targeted therapies to treat that, that particular uh, cancer. Um, and there are even newer um, studies that show a subgroup by looking at what's called a recurrent score may or may not benefit from chemotherapy. These are conversations that are usually held with the medical oncologist to help determine um, what treatment uh, approach would be best. Um, the other piece that I think is interesting that has changed over time is that usually surgery was the first line of treatment um, and surgery is no longer always the first lines of treatment. I think every woman should really be managed in a multidisciplinary approach uh, setting. Um, it's a team of expert clinicians, including the surgeon, the medical oncologist, the radiologist, is a pathologist, is a radiation oncologist. And you all come together and you review the case and you, you develop the treatment protocol that best suits that woman. So it's not unusual for me to uh, have patients who've come in with a palpable breast mass that's biopsy proven to be breast cancer. They may have lymph node involvement that can be biopsied by ultrasound. And surgery is not the first line of therapy, even though they're seeing me first as a surgeon. And it is my responsibility to make sure that they you know, get to the medical oncologist, if especially a triple negative, so that they can be started on the appropriate neoadjuvant chemotherapy. So that's chemotherapy before surgical intervention. I think it's safe to say, isn't it, doctor, that Dr. Google is a little dangerous with so much information out there. The key really is, is if, if to be, like I said, hyper aware of what's going on with their body and to come see you right away, as opposed to just, you know, talking to friends and saying, well, did you experience this? That's really the wrong way to go about it, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, I it you said it uh, co cohesively, is that 
I see patients come in, they have a lump and they have stories, horror stories, either from the internet or perhaps they've crossed paths with somebody who's been impacted by breast cancer. And they're thinking the worst case scenario that maybe my journey will be exactly similar and it's absolutely not the case. Um, the recommendation is that everyone should take this on um, as an individual in the sense of what your journey will look like. Um, we do have support programs here by survivors, which have been um, extremely important in helping newly diagnosed navigate the journey. But because, you know, because one person needed chemotherapy doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to need chemotherapy. One patient needed radiation doesn't necessarily mean that you will also need it. So it's really important to understand that the decision around your treatment algorithm is based on all the features, all the factors of your cancer, your stage of presentation, as well as the biology of the tumor. One of the things you just mentioned, Dr. Lawrence, that really resonated with me is the, inter is the multidisciplinary aspect of it and then the community aspect. In other words, when you're going through this type of, of treatment or the diagnosis, you're not alone, right? That there are people out there that you can talk to, but the first thing to do is to come and see somebody like yourself and say, I, I you know, at least raise your hand and say, I need help. Yes, absolutely. And not to be afraid of doing so. Um, and most program in terms of the multidisciplinary approach, that's the whole idea, is that you have a team behind you um, that is supporting, supporting you along the care continuum. Uh, for example, here at Hartford Healthcare, uh, we have nurse navigators throughout the system. So every newly diagnosed breast patient, breast cancer patient is seen and evaluated by one of our nurse navigator and they, this is a crucial part of our, our treatment approach is that we want to provide uh, care for the whole person, the mind, body, and soul. We're not just treating a cancer, we're treating an individual with cancer. Um, so there's support infrastructure um, in place and services to help a woman navigate uh, the journey. So no one is actually walking this path alone. But as you said, the key is to seek medical attention if you have an abnormality within the breast and do so right away as opposed to uh, delaying. A couple questions, doctor. Um, I know the answer to this. Uh, men can get breast cancer, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, about one to two percent of the breast cancer that we see are due to um, male breast cancer. I think in the U.S., about two to three thousand cases annually. Um, a significant portion of the time, male breast cancer is associated with the BRCA2 mutation. Um, and men usually commonly present with a lump or a nipple discharge because we don't do screening mammogram for men. So if a man identifies any sort of abnormality within his breast, he too should seek uh, medical attention right away, especially if there's a family history um, of breast cancer. Um, another person has chimed in here. Is I was told I need a breast biopsy, but I'm afraid it might be painful. Uh, what should I expect? Well, there are different types of breast biopsy, and the overwhelming majority are very, um, they're not pain-free, but they're done with, anesthet with anesthetic at a local or if you're going to the operating room. So there's what's called an excisional biopsy, which we've moved away from. The majority of lesions that are identified within the breast 
are amenable to image-guided core biopsy, and that's the standard of care. So if you have a lump in your breast and you go to see someone and you have your images done and it can be seen on imaging, whether it's a mammography or ultrasound, the biopsy should be done image-guided. You should not be taken to the operating room to just excise the area. And there, there are reasons uh, for this. The two most common approach biopsies that are an ultrasound biopsy or stereotactically guided core biopsy. Uh, stereotactically guided core biopsy are performed for lesions that are only seen on mammography. Uh, the patient is it's done while the patient is awake, uh, but it's done with local anesthetic, um, and they are often very generous. With the local anesthetic the idea is to make the experience as uh, as pleasant as possible given the circumstances. But it's very tolerable. Um, the actual biopsy, once it's started, in most cases, is less than three to five minutes. Um, and you know, usually it's a small band-aid or a small dress in the supply, and the patient is able to go home this the same day. It's an office-based procedure. The other option is if the lesion is not amenable to image-guided core biopsy, then those patients are taken to the operating room. And if you're going to the operating room, there's usually anesthesia involved. Dr. Lawrence, one of the takeaways that I'm getting from this is, is that don't suffer in silence, really, right? Is, is if something is happening with your body to reach out right away. Yeah, and I think that's the big uh, take-home message here. Um, or there perhaps two is one is to make sure you get your risk assessment, uh, your breast cancer risk assessment by age 30. And it may turn out that you are of average risk and you just need to start your mammogram at age 40. But if you're at higher risk, that's important information that you want to know because, you know, knowledge translates into vigilance, right? So if you identified it being an increased risk and let's say you were a carrier of one of the known mutations, such as the BRCA mutation, there are risk-reducing surgeries that you can do to mitigate or prevent you from developing breast cancer because the operation is very different when you're doing it for pure breast reduction versus if you're doing an oncologic uh, breast uh, surgery. Um, so it's very important, um, women, as women and men, we need to be very good stewards uh, of our health. And uh, that means reaching out if you need help. That is the courageous uh, thing to do, is to reach out if you notice an abnormality within the breast and have it explored, looked after, and taken care of as soon as possible. Well, this is excellent stuff, doctor. Um, how can people find you? Well, I am within the Plainville. I'm part of Hartford Healthcare Breast uh, Program. It's a consortium, a large consortium of uh, fellowship-trained uh, breast surgeon. I am located at the Plainville uh, campus uh, uh, adjacent to New Britain. And my address is 201 North Mountain Road, and that's in Plainville, Connecticut. Or you can call my office, and the number here is 860-224-5416, and I'd be delighted to see you. Well, thank you again, Dr. Lawrence. This has been really good, and like you said, I think the key for everybody is to, is, it was awareness, and so thank you for your time today. My name is Jason Kotar, and I'm your host, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.